Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel. This Old Testament book of 2 Samuel and 2 Samuel in chapter number 7. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 7. We're beginning a brand new series tonight dealing with the life and ministry of Solomon, the wisest man who lived. And we will watch the rise and the fall of this great man and see what happened. But before we get to the actual life, we now have to hit the promises. Before he was even born, before he's even a twinkle in his daddy's eye, God still had a plan and a purpose for Solomon. And we find it revealed in a very special promise given to King David, and we find it listed in the book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 7. The book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 7, and notice with me if you don't mind, starting at verse number 1. The book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7 and verse 1. And it came to pass when the king, this is David, sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go, tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time I have been brought up from the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day. But I have walked in a tent and a tabernacle. And all the places wherein I have walked with the children of Israel spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel to whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore so shall thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took from thee from the sheepcoat, and from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people." over Israel. And I was with thee where uh, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee or made thee a great name, even unto the name of great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which proceedeth out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the th 
throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father and he will be my son. And if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak to David. <coughs> then the king went in and, <coughs> sorry, verse number 17. According to all these words, according to the vision, so did Nathan speak to David. Then went in King David in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, O Lord, that what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And this is the manner of man, O Lord God. And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Whereof thou art great, O God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in, in the earth is like thy people, even Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for the land before thy people which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt from the nations and their gods for thou hast confirmed thyself to thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever and thou Lord art become their God. And now, O Lord, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house to establish it forever and do as thou hast said, let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, has revealed thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. Now, O Lord, thou art that God, and the words be true that thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you just star, highlight, do whatever you'd like for verse number 16, which covers pretty much all of this, that thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne be established forever. And with this, we have what we commonly call the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant covenant. And as we prepare to study the life and ministry of Solomon, we come and see this important promise concerning Solomon, even before he's born yet, concerning the Davidic covenant. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come and open up the Bible and see this history and see this relationship that you had with David, help us to glean from it for ourselves this personal relationship, this wonderful relationship, and the promises that you made to David. And let us be discerning and let us crave to have this type of fellowship with you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Fill me with your spirit. Do your own work. Draw us close to you. In your name we pray. Amen. The very first thing that we have as we kind of examine this passage is the prompting of the Davidic covenant. The prompting of the Davidic covenant covenant. What, what was the thing that laid the groundwork for God to give this promise? We have the prompting of the Davidic covenant. Now David at this time is now king over Israel. There's no more civil war. David is king over all 12 tribes. He has established his throne. The enemies have been destroyed. He is now firmly king and he's starting to build his kingdom. And now as he's built his kingdom, he has moved the capital city to Jerusalem and is now beginning to develop this city. He's now looking at his house and he's living in a fairly nice house. And he begins to contemplate and say, you know what? I want to do something for God. I'm living in a nice house. Maybe we should do something for the Lord. Maybe we should consider this. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 1, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1. And it came to pass when the king David sat in his house that the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. That the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Now, David calls in his good advisor, the preacher, Nathan the prophet, who's going to be very important in David's life, a trusted spiritual advisor, a biblical leader that he could go to, bounce ideas off of, try to find God's will, to try to discern. That even though David is king, he is still looking to a preacher for spiritual advice. Still looking for a preacher to make sure that he's doing what he should be doing. To make sure that his ideas are where God wants him to be. And we're going to actually see that course correction here. And so he pulls Nathan and they start talking about how God's been good to them and how he's established the kingdom. And as David is, um, has Nathan, maybe they're eating fried chicken and mashed potatoes and sweet tea. And they're just having a good time just sitting there. That David says, you know, I've been thinking... That I live in a nice house, but the place where God is supposed to dwell in, the representation of God's presence, which is a tabernacle, is a temporary dwelling place. Now remember, there's no temple at this time. That the people had a tabernacle, which was the same tabernacle that God had given the plans to Moses, and they had built this tabernacle, and it was made to be a place where they could travel from place to place to place, which was very convenient during the wilderness wanderings, but now they're no longer wandering. Now they're established within the kingdom. And David's saying, you know what? We don't need this temporary place. We don't need a place where we can move up because we're not moving kingdoms. We're in the promised land. We're in the land that God gave to us. So instead of having a place with tents and yeah, that's nice and all, but that has to be replaced. Why don't we build a permanent dwelling place that would represent the presence of God among his people. That God is dwelling with us and living with us. And as he's talking, Nathan's going, man, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, wonderful. And they begin to talk and get it, have a good time and agreeing with this. Notice with me in verse 3. 
And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Now he says, man, God has blessed you. You've tried to do everything that you could to serve God. I mean, why not? Sounds like a good idea. I mean, this is good stuff. And so they're all excited and they continue to eat their chicken and, and, and mashed potatoes and gravy. And, and they just have a good time. And Nathan walks away and he says, man, that was a good meeting to talk with the king and the king's got good plans. And Oh man, I could see it. That, that's a good idea. And he starts praying about it. Lord, David wants to uh, build something and that'd be really something, wouldn't it? To see you to have a house, to see a place where people can come and they could worship you and <clears throat> something that's done nice, something that's done beautifully, something that's well done, something that's no longer a tent. You deserve something better than that. And so Nathan just prays on it. And he's talking to the Lord. And he's excited about it. Now, sometimes we can have good ideas. And sometimes we can have really good ideas. But sometimes those good ideas are not God's will. So notice what happens in the middle of the night. In verse number 4. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came to unto Nathan, saying, Go, tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and a tabernacle. And all the places wherein have I walked with the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? So, as God begins to talk to Nathan, God says, Listen, I hear the plans, and I want to let you know that this is something I did not ask for David to do. I was content to, we gave the plans for the tabernacle. That was going to be my representation of me dwelling with them. It wasn't a house. It was a temporary dwelling. It was a place where people can go and have the presence of the Lord. And I never demand it from anyone. I'm just letting you know that David's not doing this because he's trying to be obedient or because I yelled at him. This is something he wants to do on his own to please the Lord. Now that's a pretty big thing that God's saying, I'm recognizing that this was something David came up with on his own. That David wanted to please me and he came up with a way rather than being told, he thought about it and wanted to do something for me. So God says, I'm acknowledging this is a big deal. And because of this, it's a reflection of his heart. This is what I want you to tell David. Verse number 8. Now therefore, so... Shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee, David, from the sheep coat. Remember that David was just a small teenage boy, a runt of the litter, just thought, nobody thought he would amount to anything. He was out in the middle keeping sheep. And God brought him from being a shepherd of the sheep to being the king of Israel. He said, I took thee from the sheep coat and following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I was with thee, God was with thee, David, where whithersoever thou went. And I have cut off thine enemies out of thy sight and made thee a great name, like a name unto the great men that are on the earth. By the way, that's still true. David is still revered as one of the greatest ancient leaders of all time, no matter what history you look to. We're still talking about him to this day, that God made his name great. Verse 10, 
Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. Now, we know that this is talking about their current condition, that they're no longer going to wander. They now have Israel. But the more fulfilled uh, completion of this is going to be in the millennial kingdom where they'll definitely be moved no more. But God says, all right, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. Verse 11, and since the time that I've commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And God says, I'm just telling what, what I want done. David came up with a good idea. He's we have a good relationship. David just wants to be a blessing to God. God's rewarding David in kind. What a great friendship that they have. A great relationship. God has honored him. And he says, you know what? David did this unprompted. Now, let me tell you what I'm going to do with David. We then come to the provisions of the Davidic covenant. The provisions of the Davidic covenant. What is this Davidic covenant, this promise that God is going to give to David? Verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, these are starting to talk about the Davidic covenant. Now, remember, Nathan is going to go tell David all of this in just a bit. But now God is just reviewing what David is going to have. That first of all, you're going to have a son from your bowels. Meaning, he's not adopted. He's not going to come after you. He's not going to come just in your name. He's going to be your kid. And I'm going to use your son. I'm going to establish his kingdom. Now, this is also going to imply later on that it's going to be a child that isn't born yet. Now, this is going to be significant because right now he already has some sons. He has Amnon. He has Absalom. He has Adonijah. He already has a son that's passed away. And then Solomon is going to not even born yet, but David has already has a bunch of children that are already born. And so God is trying to imply, as he goes through here, he's pretty much saying, you're going to have a son that's not born yet. He's the one that's going to take the kingdom. He's the one that's going to rule. I have plans for this boy who's not even born, not even conceived yet. I have something for him. Verse number 13. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David, you're going to have a descendant, and he is going to build me a house. And I'm going to establish this lineage, this throne, this line, through him, and it's going to be established forever. Verse 14. And I will be his father. Now notice, David had a personal relationship with God. And God didn't say, I'm going to be his grandfather. God said, I'm going to be his father. Meaning that the same relationship David had with God, Solomon was also able to enjoy. By the way, God could be our heavenly father too. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you can have a personal intimate relationship just like David had with God. This isn't something that's just set aside for the great heroes of the faith. You can have a personal intimate 
relationship with God yourself. You could love God. He could love you back. You could talk with Him and have fellowship with Him. You could have desires for Him and He could help direct your path. Sometimes He'll use a preacher like He did Nathan. But they had that personal relationship. And Solomon was expected to have this personal relationship. And you can have that relationship. That God doesn't have spiritual grandchildren. That he has children that come to know him as Savior. Those become his children. But there's no grandchildren in the Lord. Every person has this brand new personal intimate relationship with God for themselves. Notice as it goes on. Verse 14, and I will be his father and he will be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. Meaning that if he messes up, I'm going to correct him. By the way, that is part of having a heavenly father. That's part of having any father. That the Bible talks about in Hebrews, it expands on this thought. That when we come to know Jesus Christ as our savior, we just don't get fire assurance insurance. We just don't get escape out of hell free card. We now have a relationship with God. That means that God will correct our behavior. He will not allow us to continue in sin. He'll take us, as we say in the South, take us out by the woodshed, behind the woodshed. He will correct our behavior. But that's what a loving parent does. A loving parent will correct his children. And God says, listen, I'm going to be his father, not just in name, but if he messes up, I'm going to correct him. Why? Not because I hate him, but because I love him. I want him to do what's right. God is now establishing what kind of relationship he wants to have with Solomon. I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. He's going to use these tools to correct Solomon's behavior. Verse number 15, but here's the good thing. But my mercy shall not depart away from him. Oh, what a wonderful thing that God's mercy is not going to be taken away. As I took it from Saul, whom I put before thee. What a great promise that God says, listen, I'm not going to disown him. I'm not going to divorce him. I'm not going to disavow him. He's my kid forever. He's mine. I'm not giving him up. And now... What a great promise that is. That I'm going to establish a relationship. I'm going to be his father. And I'm never going to divorce him, disown him, kick him out. What a wonderful relationship, fellowship we have with our God. Notice in verse 16. And thine house and thy kingdom. Now remember, this is going back to David now. And thine, David's house, and thine, David's kingdom, shall be established forever before thee. And thy, David's throne, shall be established forever. This is what we call the Davidic promise that God made a promise that David's lineage, his house, his family line will not cease. And we're going to see that fulfilled. That David's kingdom is going to be established forever. And God plans on keeping that promise as well. And that thy throne shall be established forever. Meaning that a descendant from David, his personal bloodline descendant, not in name, bloodline descendant, is also going to rule forever. What a wonderful promise that he made. Now remember, David didn't ask for this. David just said, I want to be a blessing to God. What can I do to honor God? I know, let's build him a house. And God said, man, because of your heart, because of this desire, because you just want to please me, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. Now again, David didn't prompt this. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to see if I can get something from God. 
It was just pure devotion and pure love. I just want to do something for the Lord. You know, that's something about a true relationship, a true fellowship. Kind of like if you have good friends. Good friends, you may um, borrow money from them and they may borrow from you and you don't keep tabs. They may pay your supper one time and you don't try to keep tabs. Well, they bought me three suppers. I owe them two more back. He's like, no, there, there was no quit pro quo. It means I love you and I have the ability to be a blessing. I'm glad to be a blessing. I'm not expecting something back from you. I just, I just love you. That was the type of relationship that David and God had. David said, I'm not trying to get something from you, God. I just love you. What can I do for you? And God says, man, because you prove that you love me and you're not trying to get something from me, I'm going to give you stuff. What a wonderful God and a wonderful relationship. And I want to remind you that you can have that type of relationship with God too. A personal, intimate friendship. Now, with this, we have the praise of the Davidic covenant. Now, Nathan goes back and says, David, let me tell you, I talked with God last night, and let me tell you what he said. And he told him all of these things here. When David heard it, he did the only natural thing he could. He went to God and prayed and said, God, you're just so great, so wonderful. Notice this in verse 17. According to all these words and according to this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord. Notice this. David, when Nathan told him all of this, David said, hey, listen, we're good friends, Nathan, but I got to go spend some time with God. And David doesn't get in a hurry. He just sits with God. He doesn't stand. He doesn't say, hurry up, God, I got to finish up. He sat, which carries the idea that he's taking his time. I just want to talk to God. And he just begins to pour out his heart and say, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me here thereinto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also to thy servant's house a great while to come. And, and is this the manner of man, O Lord? He said, Listen, I didn't try to get something from you. I mean, this is more than I expected. You said that my kingdom and my throne and my children are going to last forever. That's more than I imagined. I, I would have never asked that from you, God. But that's wonderful. It just It's blowing his mind. He's like so floored that God would be that good to him. Verse 20. And what can David say more to thee? For thou, O Lord, knowest thy servant. David's now saying, listen, you know everything about me. What else can I say? I don't have any words that can... You ever been there? I just don't know what to say. You know everything. Just, wow. What a God. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart, thou hast done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself. By the way, the word redeem means to buy back, and that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That just like God went on purpose and went into Egypt, which is a picture of the world, went there, grabbed those people from the world, and brought him to himself, and he purchased it with blood. Jesus went into the world purchased us with his blood of Jesus Christ and brought us out and set us to himself. 
What a wonderful God. What kind of people are Christians? We're sinners saved by grace. It's not us that makes us great. It's a God who set us aside that makes us great. Our God who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins full, free, and forever. That's what makes Christianity special. Not the people. It's the God that we have. He says, you're the God who does all these saved. And to make him a name and to do you great things and terrible. Remember that word terrible in the Bible carries the idea of awesome. Meaning that you just go, wow. To think about that God loved us so much that he robed himself in flesh, came down on this earth and lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles and the same heartbreaks. Then he died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine. Think about that. The God of the universe died for you and died for me. What a wonderful God. What a, just wow. What God would do that? What God would willingly die for us? Then on the third day, of course, Jesus rose again. And that was another wow moment. That Jesus rose from the... He didn't stay dead. We have a living Savior who's in the world today. He's not buried. There's no tomb, no grave marker you go visit. Because he's not in the ground. He's alive forevermore. Wow, what a God. Only, only a real God like that. Wow. Wow. He says, verse 24, For thou was confirmed thyself to thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, O Lord, or Lord, art become their God. And then he goes back and repeats the uh, promises that God made. But he takes time to praise God for this Davidic covenant. He says, Wow, this is more than I asked. I just wanted to be a blessing to you. And you turn around and do this to me. Wow. Wow, what a God. Which brings me to one last thing. The prophecy of the Davidic covenant. The prophecy of the Davidic covenant. And with this, let's turn to the New Testament. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 1. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 1. God had told David that he was going to have someone who was blood-related to him that was going to establish the kingdom forever, the throne forever, and David's line forever. We're thankful for the light of history that this was indeed fulfilled. Notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 1. The gospel record of Luke chapter 1, and notice with me in verse 31, as Jesus, or as God, pulls aside this little teenage girl and begin to tell her what is going to happen. Notice in verse um, 27, good running start for context sake. Luke chapter 1 verse 27. To a virgin espoused of a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne 
of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Here we could see the Davidic covenant repeated and given its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. That remember that first of all, that David was going to have a descendant that was blood related to him. By the way, Mary was blood related to David and Solomon. And we have that lineage in the gospel record of Luke showing this bloodline. So just like God told David that you are going to have someone who's going to sit on the throne that's blood related to you. Check. That's fulfilled. Then Jesus Christ, he is going to have the throne of his father David. Well, God said, I'm going to give your descendant and you're going to have your throne established. The, this descendant's going to sit on the throne forever. Check again. God fulfilled it in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to establish, he has that same throne. By the way, we see the inheritance of the kingly line through Joseph. By the way, who Joseph also was blood related to, David and Solomon. And we see that in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 1. We could see the inheritance of this kingly line. And that Joseph, if there was a king of Israel during that time, would have and should have been the king of Israel. However, one of the last kings of Israel messed up so badly that God said, nope, nobody blood related to that king could sit on the throne. But God still had someone to sit on the throne. And so Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy through blood through Mary and the fulfillment of prophecy to be the king through Joseph. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son born of a virgin. It's almost like God knew what he was doing throughout history, wasn't it? That God had this all in mind. And then of course, verse 33, And he, Jesus, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and to the end of his kingdom there shall be no end. We know that Jesus Christ, when he came the first time, he didn't come to rule. He came to die for your sins and mine. But the next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. The next time he comes, he's coming to rule and reign forever. He's establishing his millennial kingdom and he's going to rule for a thousand years. And at the end of the thousand years, will begin eternity future. Well, he'll be king and God forever. And there'll be no stopping his kingdom. That he's not going to be conquered. He's not going to retire. He's not going to get old. He's not going to become feeble. He's going to live forever and rule forever because he is God. Just like God promised. What a great God. Now, there's a couple things that we could pull from here. We know it's a Sunday night. And so we're not preaching to a crowd that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior for the most part. However, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you the greatest thing that can happen tonight is for someone to take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven. You can know without a doubt that you have a home in heaven. You can have that nailed down because of God's promises. And it would be our great privilege to show you from God's word. God's promises how you can know for sure your sins are forgiven. And you have a home in heaven. 
So what about the rest of us? If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, the next thing I want to remind you is that you can have your own personal relationship with God. That God desires for you to have an intimate relationship. You know, one of the interesting things to study about the Old Testament saints is that whereas as New Testament Christians, we know more about Christ in book knowledge, the Old Testament saints knew more about Christ personally. They had a personal walk with God. Whether it was Adam who walked with God in the cool of the garden. Or whether it was Enoch who walked with God. Or Moses who God spoke face to face as if he were a man. Or Abraham who was considered the friend of God. Or as we saw before in and David's life that he just had a personal talk and walk with God. A personal relationship with God. And that was something that God had offered Solomon. And he offered to each and every one of us this personal relationship with God. You know, have you been working on that relationship with God? God is willing to spend time with you. God wants to spend time with you. You know, the idea is that we're accepted in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1. That means that God just doesn't love you. He likes you. You know, we all have people that we love, but we don't want to go on vacation with. God just doesn't love you. He likes you. And He likes you for who you are. You are accepted. And because He likes you, He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to hear about your day. That's the wonderful relationship we can have with our God. Is that you are accepted and that you are liked and He wants to spend time with you. That means if He's willing, it's up to you. You, have, you are always as close to God as you want to be. And you could be closer if you want to be. Nothing but space and opportunity. It's up to you. You can have that walk with God. And maybe your walk with God isn't that close. Let me tell you, it can go closer. How do I have a personal walk with God? Two ways, primarily, uh, we start off with the basics. You read your Bible and you pray. When you read your Bible, He speaks to you. When you pray, you speak to Him. And you can have a full conversation and relationship through your Bible reading and through prayer. A third thing I want to remind you. God keeps his word. God keeps his promises. And there are plenty of promises God has made to you. May I give you a reminder. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You need to be in your Bible for yourself. The greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to be in God's word for yourself. And if you do have a promise. Let me tell you. Cling to it. As we saw this morning in Sunday school, the psalmist hoped for his word. He clung to his word even though he was crying in the, night, in the night. He could cling to God's word. Stay with God's promises. God keeps his word. He who can trust God's word. You can depend on God's word. For those of you who may not have a good grasp on Bible timelines, may I tell you that Jesus lived approximately at zero um, uh, B.C. A.D. to about 30 A.D. So early things. David lived 1000 B.C. So the promises that God made to David in first, uh, sorry, in Second Samuel chapter seven, 1,000 years had passed. 
Let me tell you, if God could keep his word and keep on memory he didn't forget, didn't set aside for 1,000 years, he could keep the promises he made to you. God keeps his word. God knows what he's doing. And maybe some of you just need to be reminded of it, that you can trust God's promises. He is not senile. He doesn't have some timer's disease or Alzheimer's disease. He doesn't have selective hearing. He remembers. He knows the promises. He will keep them because he is a good God. He loves you so much. Cling to his promises. Cling to God. You can trust him. Our God is awesome, as the Bible said. Our God can make us go, wow. We just need to spend time with him, look at him, and trust his word. God knows what he's doing. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.